Welcome to Fishing Forward, a podcast inspired by fishermen for fishermen that focuses on health, safety, and staying ship shape in the commercial fishing industry. Fishing Forward is brought to you by the Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety, by the Coastal Rose Radio Team at the University of Guelph in Ontario, Canada, and at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm your co-host, Hannah Harrison. And I'm Phil Loring. In this podcast, we've explored how fishermen could be thought of as professional fishing athletes. That is, that the nature of their work demands the same high level of mental focus, training, and physical acuity that one might expect from a professional sports athlete. Over the course of this series, we've touched on a wide range of topics, and our focus has been on the risks and dangers that commercial fishing presents to fishermen's health, safety, and well-being. Today, we're bringing you our last episode in this podcast, and our focus will be on highlighting some of the key themes we've heard over the past year, as well as one last fisherman's story that speaks to why this dangerous and demanding industry can bring such joy to those who work within it. Okay, my name is Jorgen Lapham, although uh, the, the world over knows me as Poggy, just by my nickname, my first name. And I'm involved in the Dungeness crab fishery on the West Coast, as well as the sablefish pot fishery. And we've done uh, a number of other things, uh, short halibut openers, long line, hook and line, and going, taking the boat to Alaska to tender for salmon, um, as well as some small research projects, taking scientists out doing water collection or bottom sampling and, and stuff like that. We're based out of Newport, Oregon, but we've taken the boat as far south as off the coast of Mexico, off Ensenada, and as far north as Without me on it, it's been to Kodiak, but I've taken it as far as catch again. Hoggy is 38 years old and got his start fishing with his dad. This relationship with his father is a foundation for who Poggy is as a fisherman today, though fishing wasn't his original career plan. So I, I, unfortunately, my dad sold his boat when I was 13 and I'd been out on the water with him several times, but it was kind of um, right at the point where I would have really gotten into it. And it could have, that could have, changed the fishery that, that i was in because he had a small boat it was 28 feet long he fished by himself it was just a salmon troller so he just fished in the summers when the weather was nice and brought salmon and lingcod halibut rockfish uh those those fish home and so he sold the boat when i was 13 and that kind of cut off my tie to the fishery so i you know went finished high school went to college for a couple years and in college I went to Alaska and uh, gillnetted as a deckhand in Cook Inlet for salmon again. And that piqued my interest in fishing. And I'd never been one that was great. I mean, I, I did well in school, but I hated going to school. I had the highest absence rate of anybody I knew. And uh, <clears throat> so I was slated to go back to my fourth year of college. I'd switched schools and was going to a trade school in California, the California Maritime Academy. And went on this great trip around the South Pacific on the, on the boat and, or on the ship, it was a training ship and ended up in Cook Inlet that summer and just sitting on the deck of that boat and Cook Inlet, it was like, God, I'm an adult. You know, I, I can make the decisions on what I'm going to do. And I feel like I've gotten enough out of school at this point that I could go, go fishing and actually spend time on the water full time. So I came back uh, to Newport from gillnetting in the summer and, uh, went crabbing on the Michelle on the boat that I uh, own and operate now. And that was just a whole different ball of wax than any other fishing I'd done. It actually scared me a little bit, not scared me, but it, 
shocked me, so to speak, uh, right out of the gate, just the intensity of the work and, and the, you know, the drive it took to carry on that Dungeness crab fishery. I mean, that's some long nights and, and hard work and just on and on and on. But I quit at the end of that season, I actually got injured and I, I walked off the boat and it was one of those things where halfway through the summer, I was like, I can't, I can't quit. You know, I got to go see this through. And so I went right back to work on the same boat. I was fortunate to get my, my job back working on the Michelle Ann. I guess at that point you could kind of say the rest is history. It's interesting to hear Poggy talk about how an injury almost put him out of commission here, but that he was determined to go back and see his work through. I think we've heard so much about that in this podcast, Hannah, how fishermen feel called to their jobs and that they're the sort of people who are often determined to stick a hard thing out. Yeah, but from making this podcast, we know that there are costs that come with that. Injury, either physical or mental, can have long-lasting repercussions on fishermen's lives. It's critical that even as fishermen are dedicated to their jobs, that they also learn and utilize strategies to care for their bodies and minds, both on and off the boat. This reminds me of our episodes on pain, and particularly the pain pipeline from a job-related injury and how this leaves fishermen vulnerable to substance and alcohol use disorders. Those stories really highlighted for me how important societal support for fisheries is to make sure that fishermen get the support they need to treat an injury and, if necessary, to manage any disorders that may come as a result of their work. You know, as we heard in past episodes, I think the value of a captain and crew who are also looking out for each other and working together as a team can, can really be essential to this. Here's Poggy again explaining how he came to see that side of fishing. The fishing I'd done earlier in my life was uh, trolling with my dad, and that was an easy one to enjoy. I mean, you're getting shown as phenomenal skill by your dad. But then <clears throat> when I went fishing at Cook Inlet, it was the same deal. You know, I had this father figure telling me what to do. It was just me and him on the boat. And you know, I was used to that dynamic. But then the shock that came when I went crabbing, you know, a commercial Dungeness crabbing, it was out of San Francisco for the, the first opener. Part of that was the fact that, you know, I was used to this kind of patriarchal relationship on the boat and being the kid. And all of a sudden I was thrown in this den of wolves, so to speak, of uh, seasoned commercial deckhands on a crab boat on the West Coast. And it was good because even though there were some relationships on the boat, it's dictated by the situation, like the low sleep, the hard work, kind of the intensity of it. But even in that, group of four other people five of us total on the boat there was a few that were you know elbows out and they're trying to um almost compete to the top of the food chain but then there were a few on that boat that were like hey you know this is a team effort and there's no better feeling than returning to the dock after working your butt off for a week with somebody that pats you on the back and and wants to cook you a meal or, or, you know, break bread with you or have a beer or whatever, whatever it is that feels good at the end of that physical exertion. And so I grabbed onto that, um, the good feelings and, uh, was fortunately shown that it's it, several little pieces of it, you know, times, little, little time points that stick out in my mind where it was like, holy cow, this isn't, some cutthroat uh, last man standing operation. This is something we can do as a team. And I really enjoyed that. Like I said, my dad worked by himself his entire life and liked to be alone. And I, I enjoy being alone. 
uh, quite a bit myself, but that team effort, you know, good feeling at the end of it, no matter if you've caught a fish or, or gone backwards and, and lost everything, being and working with people that, you know, you're in such close proximity to and, uh, working alongside and going through these hard things and being able to I'm, the biggest thing for me is breaking bread at the end of the day having a cup of coffee don't matter we call it our mug up you know it's like man we had a hard day we still sit down at the galley table and have a cup of tea at the end of the day just because that's what it's all about you know if you're if you're not enjoying that for me there's no point in being there so that personal relationships is what has kept me going in this industry hands down Poggy's comments here remind me so much of episode five where we heard from Tommy Marsh about the value of food and relationships in fisheries. It was instilled in me by my dad. I might get a little emotional talking about it, but so he was a salmon troller and he, he went out by himself and, you know, you could, you could be a person that, that goes out and catches these, this food product, whatever it is, salmon, hake, crab, scallops, doesn't matter. And you bring it to the dock and you turn it into a check. And that's, that's the goal, you know, and that's it. You just want this check. And my dad did that. I mean, there, I'm not going to say that he wasn't doing it to make money. He made money, but at that point in time, he had, you know, he had this old suburban and in the back of it, he'd have four slush barrels and he'd have all these relationships. I mean, my I have four older sisters and every one of them has had braces that were paid for in trade with salmon and, and, you know, and, and halibut and whatever he was catching at the time. And, uh, we had animals, we had horses, every vet bill was traded for firewood or salmon or something like that. I mean, it, it, the list goes on. After each fishing trip, Poggy and his dad would deliver some of their fish to a processor, but some would stay in those slush barrels bound for a different destination. So the next day, I loved it. The next day, I mean, I like going fishing, but the next day was great because it was getting the truck with dad in the morning and he had his fillet knife and an extra thing of ice and some bags, whatever. And we'd stop it people's houses and he would you know he maybe he would just wrap a fish in newspaper and give it to him and that was all they needed or maybe the person would have a cup of coffee or a beer for him and he'd fillet the fish for him and it goes all the way back to breaking bread with the guys on the boat it's like sharing food is the best thing that humans could do <laughs> together you know it's like i'm so thankful for him showing me that because it's like if people take that time to, to break bread together, it just evens everything out. It's it's that or going through some phenomenal uh, effort together where we're all going in the same direction, w working on the deck of a boat through a hard day. There's way more to this than, than getting a dollar bill out of it. Like seeing the smile on people's faces when they get seafood is huge to me. For Poggy, this spirit of sharing food extends into his practices as a business owner and how he sees his responsibility as a food producer. I feel like it's part of my duty as a food producer that the guys that I work with have access to what we're catching. You know, it's like their freezers are full and their families are fed, not just off the dollars they make, but what we catch, because that's, I mean, the concept of going to the store and buying something that's already packaged is such a young concept and compared to human history. And so it's to make that transition from what I'm talking about, breaking bread together, harvesting food together, producing food together, and then enjoying it, not just seeing it go out the door, getting your, 
your money and then going and buying something completely different. I mean, eons of that type of relationship that's it's interwoven into our emotions and our, our psyche. And so my dad instilling that in me with, with showing me how this, this was this great thing to share with people. And we were producing not just protein and food, but like joy for them to get it and to be able to carry that on into my uh, life now. has just been huge. Poggy uses the word joy here, which we've heard before on this podcast. And this once again reinforces for me the importance of keeping both fishing livelihoods and food production at the forefront of the industry. I also think he gets to something about commercial fishing that can really be hard to describe to people outside of the industry. Certainly, there are easier ways to make money in the world than by catching fish. But there's something about that hardship, about that risk and that wear and tear on your mind and body that makes that reward so worthwhile. And I, I think Poggy does such a good job of describing that here. I, I had a college roommate who's somewhere in the world uh, as a Navy SEAL at this point in time, of all things, this the most pacifist guy, one of the sweetest guys I've ever uh, had the pleasure of living with and sharing time with. And he left me a note one time. He said, the sweet ain't sweet without the sour. And there's all sorts of cliches like that, that, that really do hit the nail on the head. You know, one of them, we always say on the boat, if it, if it was easy, we'd call it catch and not fishing. And so it doesn't matter if it's the weather or, or the fishing, or even, you know, rubbing elbows with somebody for too long, it can't all be good. You know, so we go out and it's like this, I see it kind of like as this web, you know, we have, we have the relationships with the people and we have a relationship with a boat that we want to keep, we want to keep all those things good. We want to keep the boat going because it, uh, in its best shape, because it's what keeps us alive and produces an income for us. And it produces all these uh, great experiences that we get to have. So you go out and, and you have this web around you. And part of that is, like I said, the experience and the experience might be, you know, catching a lot of fish or catching no fish or having one of the most phenomenally flat days on the ocean you've ever seen, or, or, you know, surviving the most fierce storm you've ever had to jog through. And it's all part of it. And so I think for me, you know, people think of those just singular points. Oh, man, that's, you know, they think about the worst experience they could have while they're out there. And when we're out there in that experience, we, of course, are on alert and focused on what we're going through at that point in time. But the trick for me, and I know the guys that I work with is, is we don't dwell on that. You know, we don't dwell on it as if, gosh, I am tired or gosh, this is really shoot, you know, the worst weather I've ever been in and I'm scared. It's like, hey, this is all part of it. You know, we um we're going to we're climbing up this mountain and we know on the other side of it there's a there's a coast down the hill at some point. And I remember I grew up on the Siletz River. It's one of the better uh steelhead rivers in, in Oregon and I have yet to catch a steelhead myself, but it wasn't ever for lack of trying. But I remember that it's like developing the sense of you're just putting in your time. You know, it might suck to never have caught a steelhead in my life, but at some point I will. <laughs> I really love the description of a web of relationships and how it includes not only your crewmates, but also your boat. And it makes me think about our earlier episodes that focus on ergonomics and how to make the boat fit every crew member. And also more recently about our episode about dealing with noise and vibration on vessels so that the boat that keeps you safe doesn't also ruin your hearing. 
Hagi also talked about the value of a fisherman's mentality when it comes to dealing with bad days or close quarters. His comments here connect to our most recent episode, Safety Culture and Survival at Sea, where we heard about how your mental state can be just as important as your physical state in survival situations. And I think a lot of this harkens back to our discussions about sleep deprivation and how being tired or working odd hours can really shift our perceptions of emotions, risk-taking, and even reality. It's like that same concept when we're out there fishing, it's in and helping people through, you might have a day where it is crummy for one reason or another, or maybe somebody's got some kind of issue going on at home. I mean, we've all got lives besides the ones we have on the boat. And instead of letting that guy, like isolating him and his his issue, it's giving him the grace to kind of have a grumpy day and, and making sure he has it a little easier that day, you know? Helping him with his job or making him a special meal or whatever it is, we just, we try to keep all the positive stuff on the top instead of letting all the the negative stuff boil. We've touched on a number of challenges in this podcast that will be faced by the next generation of fishermen, whether it be getting into the industry or balancing work-life obligations. I want to wrap up with a mention of Poggy's son, who is 13. He has been coming out on the boat since he was an infant, and today he's becoming part of the crew in his own right. Poggy shared how meaningful it has been to watch his son share the value of seafood and this fishing lifestyle with those who come asking on the docks. We're tied up at the dock and there's some somebody from Minnesota that's never seen the ocean before walking down the dock and they get to ask this little blonde kid, hey, what are you fishing for? And he doesn't just tell them what we've been catching. He'll tell them how to cook it, what season it's fresh, you know, just all he can answer their questions and having it doesn't matter if it's a 13-year-old or if it was a 65-year-old decade. It wouldn't matter. Being able to have people ask questions and get warm answers from a producer, I think, is, is important. I tell the guys that. I go, hey, we're ambassadors. And it's not like we're out getting on TV. or That, that doesn't matter. It's that when somebody has a question for you about what you do, not to be guarded or boastful about it, but to answer them honestly is just huge. Thanks for joining us throughout this season of Fishing Forward. In this episode, you heard from Poggy Lapham, a fisherman out of Newport, Oregon. As we wrap this final episode, we'd like to give a special thank you to all of the fishermen, researchers, and community fishery supporters who shared their stories with us. And a big thanks to the many people and organizations who supported this podcast behind the scenes, including a special shout out to Stephen Hurley for technical assistance. Fishing Forward is a production of the Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety and Coastal Roots Radio at Dalhousie University and the University of Guelph. You can find all episodes of Fishing Forward and transcripts on our website at www.coastalroots.org slash fishingforwardpod. Though we do our best to bring you accurate information and lived experiences in this podcast, please remember that all of the health-related information presented here is the opinion of the interviewees and should not be interpreted as licensed medical advice. As always, talk to your physician about your own health needs and circumstances. Fishing Forward is funded by the Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety. We also receive support from the Alaska Marine Safety Education Association, Oregon State University, 
Fishing Partnership Support Services, Maine Coast Fishermen's Association, the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, the NORA Agriculture, Forestry, and Fishing Council, the Southwest Center for Agricultural Health, Injury Prevention and Education, and the Local Catch Network. Safe sailing. Safe sailing.